Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phone. Joining us, one of our favorite resources. He covers hunting, fishing, ice fishing, open water fishing, variety of hunting. He's on every Saturday at 10 o'clock. One of our favorite people, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great, and I'm thinking, you know, we've had these false starts on the front range where we got real warm. We didn't have good ice for quite a while. Then it got cold enough. Then it got real warm. Then we kind of got a refreeze, but I think the front range ice for the most part is pretty sketchy yet, even though there may be a couple things going on. But it's going to get really nice and warm as far out as I can see, like in the 50s and almost 60. That's going to start deteriorating the ice on the front range, but it should open up open water. But ice fishing in the mountains in the spring can be terrific. So are we headed in the right direction finally? Yeah, Terry, you know, we we got a lot going on. And, and first off, you know, your last guest from Arc Angus, I just have to give a shout-out to them. Um, I mean, I honestly, I, I rarely step foot in their shop, but they are just some of the greatest guys. You know, they, a lot of their team guides at Spinney Stillwater when the Arkansas is blown out. And I just got to say, uh, of all the guides that I approach in the state, they are some of the most helpful. You can walk up to an Arc Angler guide and, you know, be somebody that you've never talked to and say, hey, can you point me in the right direction? And they are so helpful. So just, uh, yeah, a shout-out to the guys at Arc Anglers. They uh, they literally have a, a world-class staff up there. So, you know, prompts for them for, for being so helpful in the state. Uh, but with that being said, Terry, we have everything going on. And honestly, um, today is a very odd day for me. It's one of the first days uh, that I am not on the water. I'm not in an event. I'm not at a promo. Uh, I am literally sitting here looking at all of the gear. My, my truck right now has an ice shelter in the back, uh, but yet hooked on the back. Instead of being my snowmobile trailer, I have my boat hooked onto it. So it's one of those times of year that you can do everything. I mean, you know, you have options of like Pueblo. I, very soon, I think our front range is going to be boatable. Um, and then obviously, we still have some tremendous opportunities in the mountains. So everything's happening. And honestly, Gary, it's been since 2005 uh, that we had a year like this. And, and, you know, obviously, as a guide, I track everything. In 2005, we ice fished on Chatfield Cherry Creek. Then we had an open water 100%, and then it refroze and we ice fished. And just like that, uh, we we had that this year. Chatfield never 100% iced off, but it got to about, you know, 65-70% iced off. Cherry Creek did 100% ice off then refroze. Uh, and honestly, especially early in the week, there was a tremendous walleye bite. Guys were on the ice catching fish. Uh, I will say that as of yesterday, uh, I had a good phone call with Dustin Sigler. Uh, he's our senior ice guide here at Tightline Outdoors. He lives for walleyes on the front range here. Uh, and he did say that Cherry Creek yesterday was getting very sketchy. Uh, you know, guys are still on the ice, but this is that time of year where that ice is tricky because even though you might have thickness, our days are getting longer. You cannot deny it. Early, you know, the sun's coming up early. The sun's staying out late. Uh, the UV breakdown of that ice is tremendous right now. So, again, this is that time of year to where – Let's just say that, you know, we were comfortable on four or five inches of ice in the fall and in, you know, early winter to where that ice was rock hard, clear. Um, if you're on four or five inches now, it's honeycombed, it's rotten, it's moisture ridden. Uh, it, it is, it's not as quality of ice. So this is the time of year where ice thickness 
does not matter as much as ice quality. So, uh, yes, I think the front-range ice is deteriorating. You still are seeing some guys out there. But honestly, Terry, with the 10-day forecast, um, I would say, you know, Chatfield holds ice in that far southwest corner. So Chatfield is is the slower of the bodies of water to, to deteriorate and become ice off. But I honestly, I can, I can predict uh, a Cherry Creek ice off literally hopefully within the next five, six days. Uh, you know, because we're going to get some nice days and all we need is one kind of windier day. Uh, and I think that ice will shred off. So I think we're going to have, you know, a boating season in the very near future here on the front range. This is going to bring on that incredible, you know, pre-spawn and spawn walleye bite. So excited about that. Uh, and then, like you said, the hills are great. I was actually pike fishing yesterday. I had three three guests on the ice. They were exclusive trophy pike. We had nothing out but tip-ups. Uh, so we set t- you know six tip-ups. Each of the three anglers had their second rod stamps. And honestly, Terry, we only got three tip-ups in uh, before flags started flying. That's how that carried on the rest of the day. So that that aggressive kind of pre-spawn pike bite is 100% taking place right now as we speak. Uh, the big lake trout are going. We're starting to see some some heavy spawning action and pre-spawning action for big rainbows. So. Pike, lake trout, and spawning rainbows are the ticket for ice fishing right now in the high country. Uh, then obviously prepping boats and gear for the front range walleye bite the second that opens up. Yeah, there's, and it's going to change quickly. We did get a question on the text line. Somebody looking for something local to fish open water. He mentioned Chatfield, Jackson, local lakes. Anything yet that has enough open water, you might see some success you know, Terry, I, I, we're probably two days away from that, from that really kicking off. Um, if you wanted just to get out, uh, I think a lot of people overlook the South Platte going into Chatfield. Uh, we get some spawning fish in there right now, so we got some rainbows moving in there right now. Uh, so if you wanted to, to do that, whether you're fly fishing or conventional tackle, the South Platte leading in Chatfield is a great option for anglers right now. Uh, cruising down to Pueblo is a great option, and literally within the next two, three days, uh, you're going to have everything starting to open up on the front range for a lot of fishability. So uh, right now I'd send people to, to the river inlets on, on various bodies of water. Pueblo is a great option. Uh, and then very soon we're going to have that ice off in the next couple of days. Well, and we're going to see, I know you want to talk some more about the walleye, and I know Chad's going to talk a little bit about walleye. It's a great time of the year to catch big walleyes. It can be a frustrating part. But don't overlook the lakes on the front range that are stocked heavily with trout. Those trout didn't get as much ice fishing pressure this winter as some other winters and there's some growth that goes on plus they've already started spring stocking and you don't need all the ice off if you're fishing from shore to really be successful on those stock trout nate absolutely terry and i mean they get they're thick. I mean, you know, we, again, we don't quite have that, that ice off at like the boat dock at Chatfield, but that boat dock at Chatfield gets loaded with rainbows, it's like the inlet. Uh, and honestly, there's some tremendous trout finish fishing right here on the front range. So definitely do not overlook that, especially in the coming weeks. And honestly, Gary, we are right on the cusp. I know you just said it, but it, we are like right there to where the whole front range, I think, is going to break up, deteriorate. Obviously, that cold front locked it in, but the, the longer days have more of an effect on, on the ice than anything else out there. So literally a couple days away, I'd say, for some drastic changes and a lot of opportunity changes for, for anglers, both shore fishing and boat fishing, uh, very quickly. Well, I couldn't agree more, but how about the pike fishing? How long will that last? How long are you going to – you got that big pike bite. It's a spring bite. They're going to transition right through the ice. Do you get those – are they going to keep biting right until ice out, or how is that going to go? 
Absolutely, Terry. You know, we generally see our pike first start to spawn. They, they really time it with the moon phase of April. So we're going to say that our April, you know, 20th to the 30th, so the last, you know, 8 to 10 days um, of April is really when we see those pike heavily going into that spawn phase. Uh, you know, you'll see some early fish going in, you know, April 15th-ish. But honestly, as of right now, we have a solid, you know, generally speaking, month to, to six weeks of the best pike fishing probably in the state. I mean, better than even open water. These these big fish are getting aggressive under the ice. They're getting hungry. Uh, everything is in your favor, and they are heavy fish. I mean, they are fat, thick big big fish so and all the pike fisheries right now have very solid ice south park probably has the most ice of any of the pike fisheries um you know stagecoach ice gets so much snow on it they have good ice uh but i wouldn't say it's super thick ice williams fork sitting on probably around 20 inches of ice right now for that pike bite but your south park like your 11 mile you know you're at a solid 30 to 34 inches of ice in most places that ice is not going anywhere soon uh i mean obviously we all love that that anticipated ice off in south park but but the ice is here to stay for a while so pike anglers you have at least at a very minimum uh, i'm going to say that you're going to be sitting at a solid five weeks of very good ice on these pike fisheries uh and now is the time to get out there and you know you have options uh, of how you catch these pike but you know if, if somebody were to call us at tightline and want a pike trip we are kind of old school traditional pike anglers we love tip-up fishing um, now there's a lot of cool devices where you can use a rod uh, in place of a tip-up but the true concept of big pike carry is all about meat they want to eat they want a a big meal out of it and honestly we catch them on jigs and and big plastics and all kinds of techniques uh the problem is that big pike want to stare at a presentation for a while it's not uncommon for a big pike to stare at a bait for 20 minutes before taking it and most anglers change their jig change their rhythm they mix it up uh during their sequence of fishing and it deters those big pike so as much as people don't necessarily love the concept of tip-ups or, or fishing bait, uh, it is the best way to catch these big fish. So this is the time. Go get some some fresh, large suckers, big smelt. Take that big bait, you know, six inches to ten inches. Um, you know, we're fishing it fairly high in the water column, and, and it leads to a great day. And for the anglers that have never tried tip-up fishing, give it a try. You know, you almost feel like a, a trapper setting a trap line, but you get a good tip-up set. Uh, and if you're sitting there and you watch a flag fly, there's nothing more exciting than watching that flag fly, running over there, you know, seeing that spool spin, timing that hook set. Um, and honestly, Terry, I think so many anglers have never experienced a, a hand lining situation. We're also used to, to using a rod. And when you have a rod, it absorbs so much of the power and strength of that fish that you really never know how strong they are. When you have a non-stretched Dacron line in your hand and those pikes shake their head and they take a big run, it will blow your mind to experience how strong these fish are. So again, a lot of people, I think, overlook it. They don't think it's a, a technique they want to try, but I promise you, you do it for the first time, it will blow your mind uh, how much fun you have. So those big pike right now, again, we're doing a lot of lake trout trips, a lot of big rainbow trips, uh, but but I am doing more pike fishing than anything just because it's a hot bite. And honestly, of the whole season, it's probably one of the most entertaining bites for me. Uh, I just think it's one of those neat experiences that people should be a part of. And now is the time. And again, fish those big baits. Try to get a fresh bait as possible. So, you know, we're using obviously dead suckers. Can't use live suckers above 7,000 feet. 
but you want them as fresh as can be. You don't want stinky stuff. You know, almost take it out of the, the freezer as if it's a, a fine steak that's been frozen or sushi-grade tuna. You know, thaw it out very slow. You know, you don't want to melt it quick. You don't want to throw it on the defrost on your truck. Thaw that sucker really slow. Dry it off. I wipe off its eyes. Pull its fins out. Really prep that sucker to where it looks clean, looks fresh. Uh, and those are the tricks that are going to help you catch more big pike at the end of the day. We only got about a minute left, but one thing I want to mention, and one of the reasons when somebody wants to learn tip-up fishing, I try to send them to a guide almost all the time to start. First, you don't obviously typically have the equipment, and you want to see how it works. But second of all, setting out, you mentioned earlier setting out your line of tip-ups. It's not just random. You're understanding the makeup of the contour of the lake below you and what's channeling those fish in, other, in certain directions. Absolutely, Terry. And like our fish yesterday were coming through in groups of three, and they have a runway. I mean, they follow a very particular path, uh, and you definitely want to know that and cater and put yourself right in their way to where, you know, yesterday when they came through, we almost instantly got three flags uh, on every wave of fish that came through. So there is, it's not as much uh, the kind of just putting down bait and hoping. Uh, There is definitely a a tactic and strategy to tip up pike fishing. But once you're on them, uh, there's no better day on the ice, that's for sure. All right, Nate, if they want to book a trip or want more information, where do they find you? Absolutely. Go to uh, tightlineoutdoors.com or Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. Uh, again, we're trying to keep everybody updated on the conditions. But, yes, we have a lot of stuff going. And, honestly, uh, not trying to push guide trips. I know we all talk about guides, uh, but our season is booking up very quickly. Uh, you know, we have a hot April bite of walleye, both day fishing and night fishing. We obviously have trout, pike, lakers, uh, so much going on. And just with the influx uh, of kind of outdoor activity, we are definitely seeing a lot of, of influx on guide trips. So if anybody's looking to book a guide trip, book it sooner than later so you get your uh, optimal date and time for, uh, for a great experience on the water. All right, my friend, we will talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zelinski, always a great resource. We're going to take a time out. We come back, the folks from Jack's Outdoors are going to join us, and we're going to talk about getting geared up for this open water This with this weather coming is about to break out. They're going to talk about some of the choices to make and how they can help you get geared up for a successful early open water season right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. A band is blowing Dixie, double fall time. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear, and speaking of Jack's, Let's go right to the phones, and joining us from the Loveland East store is Mike Young. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Terry. Glad to be on with you. Glad to be on with you, too. I know you've been listening a little bit, and I'll tell you what, the people are ready. Uh, It's going to be a little cool yet this weekend. Then as far as I can look out right now, the temperature gets up in the 50s, even near the 60s, and it's not going to be long before we're going to have a lot of open water activities, both the front range lakes and the rivers. And, you know, we've got a lot of new anglers that are going to be getting out there. A lot of people after COVID hit last year, looked for ways to get outdoors activities, you know, youth sports wasn't going on. You couldn't go out to dinner. A lot of that has carried over where they found out, even though they fell in love with fishing or they got back to fishing. And I think a lot of that's going to continue this year, but a lot of them aren't geared up, right? They're ready to go. They're anxious. So whether I'm, uh, you know, a semi-regular angler or just a newbie, if I walk into your store, what do you need to know and how can you get me started with the gear I need to get out there and maybe start catching these trout that are going to be available right away? 
Sure, yeah, no, and if Nate didn't get you excited for open water, I don't know what would. When you come into Jack's, we're going to kind of assess your skill level, see where you're at, what you're going to fish for, and then tailor your experience that way. If you're somebody that likes to fish rivers, we're going to recommend tackle and equipment that's going to be good for river fishing. If you're somebody that likes to hit the lakes and fish from shore, or if you're somebody that likes to fish from boat, we're going to tailor your experience that way. Now, if people come in, and let's just start out with, with lakes to start with. We'll get to the rivers in a minute. A lot of people are going to fish the lakes for the stock trout. They're going to fish the ponds as they open up because they're going to offer a lot of opportunities for panfish and bass. And they're they're also going to uh, – they're just going to want to fish other aspects of Colorado. And probably that's the most versatile rig that you could get. What do you recommend and how much do I have to spend for that angler? Well, you know, uh, it's one of those deals where – you can get into it fairly inexpensively. You don't have to spend a ton of money to get into it. But like you're saying, we had a ton of folks getting their feet wet last year. And it's I'm anticipating that we're going to be able to move a lot of those anglers up. A lot of them started with your Zebco 202s, 33s. And we're going to hopefully move them up this year into a spinning combo, which is a little bit more versatile, runs a little bit longer, is a little bit more durable. And it's usually the next step up for a lot of those anglers. So what do I have to spend? And I'm thinking, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking if I'm getting one spinning rig to start out in Colorado, especially fishing mostly the lakes, I'm probably looking at a medium action spinning rod, maybe six feet, maybe a little more, and something maybe with six to eight pound test. Is that kind of what we're looking at? Absolutely. That puts you right in the ballpark for you know, 90% of the lake fishing that you're going to do around here and the fish that you're going to catch, uh, you can you can run a combo. We sell combo anywhere from $20 all the way up to over $100, depending on how fancy you want to get it, how often you're going to fish, and what your needs are. And, and you know, the difference, too, can be you can buy one of those lesser expensive combo, combos, and if you only fish a year, a couple times a year, they're going to last you a couple of years, but most of those don't have a lot of bearings in them and things like that. So if you're serious about getting back into it, like if you said last year you bought some gear, you can certainly get started in that $20 range, go out and catch fish. But if you really want something that's going to last, you don't have to spend a ton more to get something like a maybe a Shimano or Quantum or even the Fluger President, which is a great reel. And, and a match it with a rod or a little more expensive combo, and you've got something really that you can fish well for several years, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, there's no reason why you can't even take your, you know, replace your push-button rod for a, a different a different reel on it this year. But upgrading tackles is going to be a lot of what we see. Um, and to that end, we've got everything from just a very small rod and reel up to a pretty large if you're a cat fisherman. And so not only will we try and move you along and try and uh, advance your game, so to speak, but we're also going to tailor a little bit more to the game that you're playing to the fish you want to catch. So what would you say if you're coming in and you want that little better reel, but you're not committed to spending a ton of money yet, 
that sweet spot maybe forty, fifty dollars, or maybe a little more? You can bring yourself into a really nice outfit for that. Absolutely, something that, it, like you say, it can go for three, four years as long as you take care of it, change your line depending on use, keep it clean, blow it out with some air, and. The guys there at Jack's are more than happy to take a look at them, bring them on in. The one we uh, spool them up for you, a lot of times I will break them apart, show you what parts need oil, and just let you know about upkeep, general upkeep and care on it. Well, and that's another thing, line. One of the things, even if you've got gear, the most important thing is starting out the year with good line. You now, a lot of experienced anglers have gone to a lot of the braids, which can be expensive, but they have their place they last longer they they don't have as much memory you can cast a little further but you require some special knots but a lot of anglers i think beginners especially or novice anglers are much better off with monofilament don't you it is it lends itself to a lot easier fishing um everything from hook sets to uh just like you say the knots the knots are a heck of a lot easier Granted, the mono, when you start doing the fluorocarbon and the, the braided, you do need to learn another set of knots. How how much, you know, I mean, fluorocarbon and braid can be pretty expensive, but you can, you actually spool line-on reels for just, I think, two or three cents a yard monofilament, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can you can get a real fresh set of mono for maybe $3. It, it's a negligible cost when you really think about it and fresh line, especially if you've been exposed to extreme heat when we get in July and August and you leave that reel in the car and your car hits 120, 130 degrees, or you're just somebody like me that has a tendency to catch more trees than uh, trees than fish and you're pulling and stretching and affecting the strength on that mono. So yeah, it's real easy and you can come on in and, Get your get your new tackle and buy some bait while you're restringing your reel. Now, and and having it spooled on by you guys at the store, most people one of the biggest mistakes they'll make is trying to put the line on themselves, no matter what line they're using. I always recommend that. Last thing I want to talk to you about, and we've only got a couple minutes, but we kind of got into this in the beginning, and that was that. You all, you like to recommend if people are going to spend a lot of time fishing the rivers, an ultralight rod or a lighter rod. I know that if people ask me if I could only have one rod for Colorado, I tell them get a medium spinning rod. Their second rod, they always think they need to get something bigger and heavier. But really, your second rod should be that ultralight because you're going to catch more fish with that and have a lot more fun. And it really applies to a lot of different types of fishing, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, whether you're buying a little little packable unit that you can take back in the hills and, you know, pull a few few brookies out of a beaver pond and have that kind of experience or, you know, whether you're going to hit the pooter or the, or the, <clears throat> or you're hit the pooter or the Thompson and, uh, you know, get in there with the fly fisherman with your spinning reel. The, the smaller rod allows you to be a little bit more accurate. And once again, you're always fighting trees and other such things that seem to want to grab my hook all the time. 
Well, and the smaller rod makes maybe a 8 to 12-inch trout a lot more fun to catch or a small panfish. It just makes it pull better, and I, I do a lot of fishing with ultralights myself. You know, Mike, we are running out of time here, but uh, are you guys pretty well stocked at Jack's right now? You know, last year was really hard on us. We went through a lot of tackle. The folks, Shimano, Purefish, Berkeley have done a great job in getting us a lot more stuff than I thought we were going to get back this year. So we're we're much better stocked than I thought we were going to be. We aren't 100%. My advice to everybody is get in early because I think Nate's right. I think that ISOF is going to come pretty fast. And I think people are going to get really itchy to get out there and throw some lines in the water. And I think there's a good chance that supplies may not keep up this year again. So there's something special you particularly want. You need to really make sure you find it early. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you, Terry. Available anytime. You take care. All right. Mike Young from the Loveland East Store of Jack's Outdoors. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Chad Lachance is going to join us. And we're going to talk about options for early walleye and trout with the gear we were just talking about right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. All right. I think I'm back. I don't know what happened there. And here I was talking about listening to Dire Straits and Chad having to wait. I didn't really mean it, Chad. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Terry. I like some Dire Straits. It's all good. Yeah, I do too. And um, I don't know what happened there. I was hearing Dire Straits. Maybe I was just too engrossed in the music, but I was talking. So <laughs> uh, I don't doubt that. Well, thank, yeah, well, thanks, <laughs> thanks everybody for hanging in there with us. Hey, you know, we've been talking all day about, you know, it's going to be a little cool this weekend. And then the weather is just going to kick in. And it's going to be in the 50s, even close to 60 or more over the foreseeable future. Open water is just going to start here faster than people know, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I live overlooking Horsetooth Reservoir, and it's been frozen and open and frozen and open, going back and forth. But what that tells me is the ice isn't just particularly, you know, very strong or very well set in. And I know that Boyd and some of the other places are also doing the same thing. And so I'm going to go in agreement with the earlier callers that it's going to ice out real quick and uh, and we're going to have some great opportunities. And as you know, this is the time of year, a lot of times that some of the biggest fish of the season are going to get caught is right after ice out. And I'm of the opinion that the biggest fish are the ones that move or the most mature fish are the ones that make the seasonal changes first. They're the ones that lead the charge. And as the ice starts coming off here, both both the uh, reservoir trout that were stocked in fall or, or even previous to that and the walleyes are going to get real aggressive. And some of the first ones that are going to get caught are going to be really big ones. So you kind of got to have your ducks in a row, but it's one of my favorite times to eat fish, even though I don't even like the cold. Yeah. Well, you're a, uh former Florida boy, but you're learning, but you're absolutely right. Spring is, is one of the most, uh, you know, uh, big fish are available in spring, spring and fall. You can catch big fish anytime, but they tend to be where we see the most big fish. Now for the walleyes, and we'll talk about those, it can be a big fish time, but it can also be a frustrating time because they turn on and off. The trout tend to be a little more reliable. Don't you think? Absolutely. The trout are more predictable. They're in a straight feeding cycle for the most part. And, uh, you know, the, the, they'll bite most part of the day. They'll like a heavy, a heavy sky like we have over horse tooth right now. That, that will help you for sure. But, uh, but they're more consistent, absolutely. And they'll also bite a, a wide variety of stuff from finesse 
you know, tactics all the way up to power fishing because the trout are just giddy. The temperature, the water range is perfect for them. And so they're really happy about it. But the walleyes, like you said, are, can be a little bit more hit and miss. And that's because they're coming into a spawning phase. And so you'll get fish that are maybe just staged and not really moved up quite on the banks yet, but they will do so in the evening. So one of our favorite things to do is fish actually from the bank in the evening before we can launch boats and, and walk some of the rocky shorelines in, you know, right at dark, right at, right as it gets good and dark out and maybe for the first hour after dark and work those rocky shorelines for walleyes. And, and it's a really good opportunity to catch some of the biggest walleyes in the system. You can count on them being in the same areas they, they were year in and year out. And so it's more predictable in that regard. Getting them to bite can be uh, another trick. And for me, it's almost always at this time of year in the nighttime, it's almost always a jerkbait deal. Now, one of the things, people don't have to wait for the lake to be entirely ice-free for this, do they? Absolutely not. I was going to go there, particularly with the trout. Um, One of the best places to fish is the edge of the ice. Talk about overhanging cover. When you get edges of ice, that's a great place to fish. Or the other thing is fish will congregate to some of the first open water, particularly on windy days, because that water will oxygenate really well and uh, it'll stir up and it'll kind of wake up the whole uh, the whole food chain. So let's say you're going to go up to some place like the Delaney's or something. Well, when they're half frozen, some of the best fishing of the year will go down for sure. Well, you know, and even on the front range, you're not only the big trout, but the fact that these lakes were stocked pretty heavily in the fall, thinking there'd be a lot of ice fishing pressure that because of the sketchy ice didn't develop. So they're also going to be restocked in the spring. So in addition to some of the very large holdover trout for the years we can see, there's going to be a lot of stock trout, so the trout can provide a lot of action. Let's start there. Let's just say the lake is just opening up. You can't get a boat on it yet. How do you go after the trout? What presentations do you like to use? Well, all other things being equal, I'm going to the boat ramp to start off. And the reason being is that's where they're stocked in almost all the reservoirs around here. They back the truck down the boat ramp and dump them in the lake. Well, these rainbow trout coming out of a hatchery and, and, and uh, cut bows, they're spring spawners. And intuitively, they will go back to where they were planted in the lake in the same way that a salmon will. So they're going to go back to where they came from and think they're going to spawn there. Even though they're not actually going to spawn, they'll go through the motions or they'll run to an inlet, one or the other. Those are the two things. So they're more predictable in their location. And I'm almost always, when it's real cold like this, I'm going to start, if at all possible, with something I can throw and wind on an even retrieve and see if I can get them to bite. And with me, that's probably, with the reservoir trout around here, it's probably going to be something like a small, like a number five flicker shad which a lot of people don't think about, but that's a really good trout bait for some of the big ones. And if I can get them to chase a moving bait, that's going to be a really good deal. And in the event that they won't, then I'm going to go to, commonly for me, either a tube jig, like a two-and-a-half-inch Berkeley power tube, or a little Johnson Maribou jig, like a a beetle boot jig. Maribou has great qualities for attracting trout, and uh, it's very easy to fish. They're very inexpensive, and, uh, and they'll bite it sinking. They'll bite it retrieve. They'll bite it dragging on the bottom. So that can be a really good trick. But usually I'm going to go with a horizontal bait and a vertical bait, and my horizontal bait will be where my confidence is. And in cold water, it's hard to beat a flicker shed. You know, one of the things I love, uh, I've seen the ice will retrieve, you know, far enough, retreat far enough where I've got open water to fish, but I can uh, still within casting range. And I'll take that 
that vertical presentation, and you mentioned the, the ice being that edge of cover, I'll throw something like a small gulp minnow, a small tube, a small, even small gulp that comes in the jars on a small, even an ice fishing jig with a weight to get it out there, throw it right out on that ice and then pull it off the ice and just let it slowly fall down. That can be a tremendous presentation. Yeah, and there's a trick to that with the tube jig, too, is if you don't put the jig head all the way in the tube jig, if you put the jig head only like three-quarters of the way in and then poke it out the top and tie to it, when you throw it up on that ice and then you slack it out, give it a slack line, that thing will do a big spiral like size of a garbage can lid, and it'll actually spiral underneath that ice. And that's just a fantastic way to generate bites. That's why I like the tube jig, in fact, in, the, in this time of year, is because of that spiral drop. When you lift it, it planes off to one side or the other, Line twist can be an issue with that with that rig like that. So you can either put a small swivel above it, or you can just take some some uh, some uh, twist out of the line every I don't know twenty or thirty casts. But that's a great trick at throwing right on the edge of the ice. Uh, also, another really good trick is where ice and riprap, because typically riprap will get warm and the ice will pull back away from the riprap a little bit, that broken rock, and run in a lure horizontally down that edge. I mean, there might only be a couple of feet of open water, but we made that one work up at Hattie one time where it was just a little bit of open water just retrieving down that stripe parallel with the riprap, and you couldn't keep them off. Now, I, I want to make I want to move on to walleyes, but I want to make a comment. If you're catching these trout up and down the front range, the mountains could be different. But a lot of these fish are stocked. Some of the great big ones you might want to let go. But a lot of the ones that are in that 8 to 14-inch range, you want to take those home and cook them. That's part of the experience. And Chad did a segment, I believe, a couple weeks ago where he gave some great tips on how to cook that. So you might want to go to the thefan.com and listen to that podcast where they can probably find something on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, sure. There's several different videos on cooking trout on my YouTube channel, and absolutely, for sure, take some home and eat them. I'm friends with the hatchery director in the state. The whole goal is to get people to eat some of those. So no problem with that. And, and I'll let people know, too, if you catch one in horse tooth, these fish are growing an inch and a half to two inches a month in the summertime here. So they stack on some size in a hurry. So you catch a 20-incher, you think you've got this giant old fish, but the reality is he's only been in the lake for like six months. Now, I want, well, we only got a couple minutes left, but I want to touch on the walleyes one more time. We talked about it. And we've got Carter, Horsetooth, Boyd, Cherry Creek, Chatfield, up and down the Front Range, the Eastern Plains. These walleyes are going to become accessible on the pre-spawn. The one thing with the walleyes, though, is the trout will be a little more reliable, as you said earlier. But the walleyes, when you get cold weather coming through, you get weather changes, they can turn on and off pretty easy in the spring. But just remember, you might not get bit one evening, but you might only get it three or four times the next evening, but those could be the biggest walleyes of your life, or you might hit that day when they're on fire. Is that what you experience? Absolutely, and, and what for me it comes down to is if you get around a school of males, you're going to catch a bunch of them because the males are aggressive, particularly in the evening time. You'll catch a bunch of fish in, uh, say, 14 to 20-inch range, and they'll be extremely aggressive because they're, they're starting to get that attitude for spawning. The females, on the other hand, will be very moody and will be staging and will eat on an opportunity, but not necessarily consistently. And you can't provoke them as well with uh, that you can like the males. The males you can provoke with aggression. You can really pop a jerk it really hard, then kill it, just let it sit in one spot. You can kind of taunt them into biting. The, the females, on the other hand, like I said, they're just not in a great mood. They're big enough to eat almost anything that gets around them, uh, and so they'll eat on their whim. It's all, almost all the big ones early in the spring that we catch uh, are, are for sure caught right at dark or after dark, shortly after dark. The males, you might get around them and light them up pretty good even a couple hours before dark. 
But in all cases, I'm gravitating to broken rock, uh, riprap, broken rock shorelines, as much variegation in the rock as I can get, preferably some wind on it as well, uh, or some breeze or an area that is known to get consistent wind, even if it's not blowing right now. Uh, those are the places I'm going to gravitate to. And for me, like I said, there's basically only two baits I throw in the spring for walleyes for, you know, March and April. And that's either going to be a jerk bait, which I'm going to work a couple of different ways, or it's going to be some sort of a, either a swimming grub or a boot tail. So like a four inch Berkeley power grub or a little, you know, a power bait pro shad, something like that with a little boot tail that I can just retrieve nice and slow and even one of those two will almost always get me some bites. We are out of time, Chad. If people want more information or book a trip with you, how do they get a hold of you? Fishfulthinker.com to book the trips, and uh, we are starting to book up quickly, so I'm glad people are calling in on that. Uh, but fishfulthinker.com, and, of course, the social media is at fishfulthinker across all platforms. We'd really love people to check out our YouTube channel. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks very much, Terry. You bet. Chad Lachance. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back. I'll wrap things up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to wrap things up. A couple things I want to go over with you. One is uh, Karen, my wife and producer, posted on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, a program that we did with my grandkids a while back at a local pond right here in Fort Collins in the spring. Now, it's, we're only about a month away from when that kind of fishing is going to take off. And if you've got young kids, and I'm talking some of these kids were two, three years old, I think, at the time. Karen says two. And you can see how we handled fishing with them up to a little bit older kids and the way we approached it on a pond. And there's a tip in there about an easy rig as you get into more into the spring that just catches bluegills, and the kids will have a blast. Now, it's on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. It was filmed at a pond, a public pond, right here in Fort Collins. I think I might have misidentified it in the video, but if you decide you want to try that, just send me an email at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll point you to some ponds near you if we can. But you'll see how we handled the kids, how it went, the fun they had, how we kept it fun for them. But also there's a rigging technique in there that's so simple that anybody can do it. And when these bluegills, the little ones especially, are in shallow in the spring, they're just going to catch fish. And that's what kids want. You will just light them up with smiles, and they will love the approach you took. And the other thing is you'll notice that the adults weren't fishing. We took the young kids out to the pond and helped them fish. So our patience wasn't that they were keeping us from fishing because we knew they were going to need attention. If you have young kids or young grandkids and you want to get them out this spring, catch a few bluegills and just have the time of your life. Go look at the latest video that was posted on The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. It's called Taking the Grandkids Fishing, I believe. Also, Karen will post a link to that next week on our Facebook page. Now, every time she adds video to the YouTube channel, she does eventually post a link to our, our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We also take some of the better podcasts. We can't take them all. And we you can always get all the podcasts back for months by going to uh, the 1043thefan.com and going to my page. But on our if you follow us on Facebook, anytime we add a new video to the YouTube channel, Karen will post it on Facebook, and you can click right to it, and you can see what it's about. We also take some of the better podcasts 
I think we'll do the Arkansas River one this 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 uh, week for almost for sure. We'll do the Jacks picking out gear, maybe a couple others. Uh, there's just some great interviews that we do that are so pertinent to fishing or hunting or just camping or being outdoors right now. We'd like to get those out on our Facebook page. Also, our Facebook page, a lot of times we talk about what's coming up. We had a tremendous interview at the beginning of the show, show with Dan Shannon from Fishing with Bernie. Well, we on Thursday, we let you know on Facebook that he was going to be on, what he was going to talk about. And so if it was something you've been thinking about, you really could work it into your plan. So we do a lot of that. So you want to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and, and go to our YouTube channel. There's lots of local fishing, the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Now, coming up, this weather is going to change. And you heard Chad and I talking. We're going to have great ice fishing up in the mountains probably for another four to six weeks in most locations. Just kind of check the conditions. Don't go out on any iffy ice. Front range is going to be a little difficult, I think. I would almost, you just, it's hard to judge the quality of the ice when it melts and thaws and, and then refreezes and then melts and refreezes. You could have thick ice, but it can almost have no support. I would concentrate my ice fishing up in the mountains. The lake trout at Granby are on fire. The pike down at uh, um, 11 mile are going strong. There's plenty of trout at places like Steamboat, Red Feathers, uh, North Michigan, uh, lots of lakes. There's a lake within a drive of you. The fly fishing is really going to take off, especially we had uh, arc anglers on from the Arkansas. The winter fly fishing right now is phenomenal, but in a couple weeks they're going to get their um, their mayfly hatch started, and those that river is really going to turn on. That's also a podcast we did during today's show. So follow us every Saturday from 9 to 11 on 104.3 The Fan. Follow our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Go see us on YouTube, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. I want to say thanks to Karen for keeping us straight and online. Thanks to Kyle for working through our technical difficulties and keeping us on the air. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour, ESPN Sports, and then DU Lacrosse on 104.3 The Fan. 